I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I actually they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for the third last episode of American Cracker, a show that had been on quite a run before absolutely cratering with these two episodes. I mean, I, I hope I'm not spoiling my uh, reaction to it where it's like, well, we got our first real bad original episode. And then we've got maybe the least effective of all of their rewrites of uh, British episodes. Well, I am going to have to disagree with you. Okay, please. Now, the cratering of their original episode. Well, yeah, you know, okay. It was not, it was, I, well, this is the first time I've gone, can you imagine what they would have done with that in Cracker? Yeah. <laughs> British style. I know. With, you know. Um, yes, I, I understand. No, I do. I do. I am not as hard as on the adaptation. I think it was better than True Romance. I, okay, I could see that. Yeah, uh, but True Romance had two episodes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay, I see your point, but uh... I know. I mean, this. This. I mean, the second episode, the adaptation, I thought was given the source. I know why you don't like it. Okay? okay, I do understand why you don't like it, but as an adaptation of the original two arc, I think they cut where necessary. You know what? Why don't we save that till we're talking about yes, that? When we talk, when we talk about it. So yes, no, but cratering of their original episodes. Yeah, this one. It's just bad. Didn't. It was bad. It ended badly. Yep. It was. Um... So it starts off. Uh, so first off, I'm watching. I'm like, is that Peter Sarsgaard? And it is. It is. Somehow already looking 40 years old. As, and just remember uh, that, that Tara is in this as well. I know. Amber Benson's in this as well in yeah. a small part. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so weird seeing Peter Sarsgaard and it's like, I've seen him look younger than this in movies made after this. So I don't know why he looks so old here. You know, I guess it's it's a makeup decision they made. But he's just, he does look like, I mean, he's supposed to be a teenager. And the idea that he's supposed to be a teenager is ludicrous. ludicrous. I mean, it's just absurd that no. this man is oh. supposed to be a teenager. Okay, okay. The first, yes. I mean, there are sort of casting issues here. Yeah. That that don't help. No, um, I mean, it's not a big problem, but it, it was a distraction. But then it's no, like, so... anything. Yeah. If they don't look... I mean, I'll give Buffy credit. They all looked like they were in high school. They looked young, yeah. They managed to, they managed to find a way to make them look believably the age of the characters they were playing. Yes. That's 100% true about Buffy, and they just don't pull it off here. And they don't pull it off here. I don't think they take care, because some of that is clothing, some of that is hairstyle. Mm -hmm. And um, some of that is makeup. You would think, I mean, when you first started off, right, to think that they were in, I'm going, no, this is, they look like they're all in college. Yeah. In university, right? Yeah. And um, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, so I and I don't even. Well, I don't know. It was just bad. Yeah, 
So the episode starts with uh, a woman dancing, well, woman, a teenager, supposedly, a senior in high school dancing at a uh, rave. And then Peter Sarsgaard, uh, you know, is jealous that she's with some other man. So he follows into the bathroom and murders her in like, given the size of that club, right? And given the amount of people dancing, the idea that there would ever be an empty bathroom in that place where he could privately lock the door and take what has to be up to 20 minutes of murdering somebody because he has a confrontation with her. He strangles her. He takes off her clothes and carves an A into her back. Then he fills her body with a huge amount of bleach. I'm like, really? You had and where did he of- get the bleach? I know he didn't have it on him when he walked in. Where did he get the bleach? I don't see a janitor's closet in the, in the, bathroom. In the bathroom. I know. What the hell was that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very weird scene. At the beginning, you don't know that that's how long it had to take him. But yeah. the very fact, as you say, it's a big club. It's a big they're club. They're all drinking. They're, they're all drinking. All, they're all they're on all, ecstasy. Right. They are going to be banging on that door. Tell me that they. That it was like, well, two hours before anybody found her. Oh, that was the incredible Excuse part. Me? Like, it was two Excuse hours before me? anybody found the body, right? And called the cops. I'm like, how? Say what? Say how? what? These people have to go to the bathroom. This isn't a club out in the boonies. No. Where they can go off and, you know, into the bushes and no. Or something this, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And this was a nice bathroom. This is a nice. Oh, it's it's huge. Uh, like it's a huge yeah. bathroom that is like weird, weirdly nicely appointed. Like it's very clean. Well, yeah, I know it was it was almost you know. again, almost unbelievably so. Just a well, failure of conception and set dressing in this sequence. Well, it's, yes, it's a con- it's it's a failure of set design. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of it is failure of set design. Oh yeah, um, the whole episode is is weirdly sterile. Yeah, it's a sterile sterile episode. Yeah, like um, all of these people live in houses that seem like nobody lives there. Yes. And I mean, it's, maybe it's, they're making a statement about all of these kids who have been abandoned by their rich parents and, you know, don't have any identities of their own. They just live in these museums to their parents' wealth. But I mean, that's that's me doing a lot of backfill. <laughs> well, we're doing a lot of backfill, but it is there is this sterility. And the funny thing is, is that if you think about the story, yeah. when we find out at the end what the situation was, why yeah. this this leader of this group, the club, yeah. um, is the way he is. Well, it is horrifying, and you're not horrified. Yeah. It is a horrifying episode. This episode well, then conceptually, it's maybe the bleakest thing we've heard about. That it he is. as a child the parents, you know, brought their uh, uh, older son home to die of AIDS. And he, as a 10-year-old, had to watch well, that happen. Oh, sorry, as a 12-year-old, had to watch that parents happen leave while they all traveled the world. with that, And leave him, the 12-year-old, with the housekeeper to take care of the brother who's dying of AIDS. Yep. And given that that was my job for quite a while. I know. I assumed it would be triggering for you. No, but... no, no, no. No, because it's so it poorly wasn't. handled. 
it is, it is, I'm just going, it's too fast. Yeah. Give give the kid a flashback. Give the kid a flashback. Maybe get a scene of him of Fitz interrogating him and talking about this experience. And following yeah, and him falling apart. Yes. And when he starts to think about his brother. Because I mean, it is and what is so and the reason it makes it so sterile is I'm going, were they running out of money? But they walk into the one bedroom. Yeah. And there's nothing in it. Nope. And this was his brother Drew's Andrew. Yeah. Bedroom. And I'm going, but it's an, a mattress yep. with a white cover over a bed. It's painted white. Mm-hmm. The floor, I think, is probably white, or <laughs> I I can't even tell you if it was wood. Yeah. It, it or it might have been white linoleum to look like. I think they wanted it to look like a hospital room. They did. Yeah. Like, there is just a failure, a conceptual failure with this episode. Yeah. Now, I they don't, don't know. They don't build a world. No, I don't know whether this is the the director's fault, whether this is the showrunner's fault. I don't know whose fault. But yeah. this is this episode should have been wrenching. Yeah. I mean that this kid is so alone mm-hmm. and so you know, I mean, so nobody... alone and so traumatized and had to like figure all of this out for himself. Yes. And they didn't, they, they, I don't know. The writer did not, was not able. Maybe the writer never saw anybody die of AIDS. Yeah. Because they would have never been this sterile if they had. And yeah, or <laughs> maybe the network wouldn't let them talk about it. Who knows? Well, Maybe. yeah, but then scotch the episode and do something do else. Do something else, yeah. Because you can't sort of do this. Yeah, you can't I, gloss over it the way the episode does. It's offensive episode, to watch them. Well, I, I, the thing is, you know, like, no. I just don't believe any of it. No. Like, I, I can't, like, the girl, okay, she wants out. Yeah. Okay. And and they want to imply that they they are six people. Yeah. Although I can't kind of figure it out. I guess yeah, six people, so yeah. three women and three men. Yep. And they just have sex interchangeably with one yeah. another. They're running a sex cult. Now, in case you're wondering what um if why you've seen this exact story a hundred not a hundred times, but a ton of times. And I don't know what the origin of this was. It could be one of those exploitative The Atlantic or New Yorker articles or some a moral panic was created in the mid nineteen nineties that out of fear of uh sexually transmitted diseases, teenagers were setting up sex cults where they, instead of dating strange people, uh had sex with a, you know, a group of people, um, you know, not monogamously, but exclusively, Mm -hmm. right? And this was all over television. There were like, again, like 15 different episodes of television or movies about this premise. So I don't know exactly what the kickoff point for this moral panic was, but it was just another ridiculous moral panic the media cooked up. Uh, Well, it was, (laughs) I, in fact, you know, I mean, it, I hadn't even thought about that until you brought it up. But you right? vaguely remember those stories, vaguely, right? But I mean, I'm so immersed. Well, it's yeah. because of his fear. Yeah. 
let me put it this way. You know, we had to, um, as a parent, I mean, it was clear that you had to do sex education with your children and you had to tell them, look. Yeah, AIDS is was terrifying. And don't don't think before they had drugs to handle it. Now mm -hmm. we've got the opposite problem, which everybody thinks it's curable. Well, no, it's not. Ugh. It's not, but it's, you know. We have so good treatment options, but it is not curable. Yes, and oh. people are start, uh, you know, are not being as safe as they have had been in the '90s and the early 2000s. Yeah, I think that because it was because we're not seeing people dying. Yeah, mm. huge amounts of it's people, like famous people dying. Yeah, yeah, we talk about anti-vaxxers, um, and and it's because nobody's seen anybody who had polio. Yeah, that, dying or exactly. living. So you Whereas don't understand I, the importance of vaccines if you never saw anybody die of polio. Yeah, yeah. I, or or living with polio. Or living I, with yeah, the being crippled by polio. I got a relative who can't use half of their face and lost the use of half of his face when he was like, you know, a child, right? And boom. So I know about polio. And I grew up. I know. And I you mean, grew up in had, the days of polio. Yeah, and you know? we had someone in our classroom. Yeah. Right. In our I can remember specifically in our grade eight classroom and oh, she yeah. could barely talk. She was in a wheelchair. I mean, I some reason we must have been ahead on the integrating the disabled. I mean, what really terrifies but me about the AIDS thing, Edith, right, yeah, is the way that the Internet has because like now that you don't see people of dying of AIDS all the time. Now it's not on the story. You you seriously have people. Like on the internet being like, wait, was there ever really an AIDS? Being like, I don't think this was a real disease. I think it was just something the drug companies made up. Like it's it's horrifying the the now you know AIDS truthers we are getting. Well, you see what you need to do is take all of those people. Yeah. And and put them on a plane. It's just <laughs> like with Holocaust deniers. Yeah. And take them. Yeah. Right. Take them to South Africa. Yeah. Let them see how real AIDS is. Let let them see what happens when HIV isn't treated yeah. and it turns into AIDS and people die of yeah. AIDS. Oh, no. I mean, but to like hearing these people being like, well, you know, HIV doesn't really cause AIDS. It's a harmless virus. And it's yeah, just giving started. people drugs that okay. turns them into. Uh, no, no. Here's the problem. Please. The problem, because we didn't have drugs when I was doing it. I know. Right. There was there was this one drug starts with an A. But it's and the bizarre part. Is the it was AZT. AZT was the AZT. drug they were trying to do. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, it it had the potential to stop progression. If you got it early enough. Yeah. It would stop progression and, of the disease. You know, and I mean, I still had that that I still tell that horrible story with that woman who was hooked up with the heroin addict, oh. and she didn't want her taking AZT because blah 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 blah. So she would do anything that he said, and she was friggin' pregnant. Oh and she got God. pregnant and got HIV at the same time. Needless to say, <sighs> uh, the horror of all of that is unbelievable. You want to see a child at five years of age, mm -hmm. six years of age, seven years of age, who is dying of AIDS because daddy had yeah. AIDS and gave it to mommy when she was pregnant. And wouldn't let her get drugs. Yeah, no, that's, you know? a, that's a nightmare. Okay, you know. Don't tell, you know. Yeah, no. no, so we take we take wait, wait the uh, AIDS yeah. truther population, uh, we take this stuff quite seriously. Well, and the problem is, it was the biggest thing in Africa. Yeah. 
This was this was the colonial conspiracy to kill mm-hmm. Africans, right? Yep. HIV didn't give you AIDS. No, we don't need treatment. We don't need help. No, this is ridiculous. AIDS mm-hmm. is, is something that you get in the other countries. This was, of course, before the people who had HIV. And there was a massive transmission in Africa. But South yeah. Africa was bad because of the president who came in after Mandela died and everything else. It's a long story. It's yeah. it's a very politically involved story. The problem is, is that you had a lot of, and that was here too, but in Africa, because in North America, they kept it for the longest amount of time. It was mm-hmm. so hard to persuade people. You can get this. Yeah. This is, you can get this from unprotected sex. If, of course, all there has to be is some kind of a cut somewhere. Yeah. And if the virus gets into your bloodstream, I mean, it's hard to get, but it is not a gay disease. And because that's what they called it initially. People didn't take it seriously. It was longer before, because in Africa, it was clear because these, the long haul truck drivers, Mm -hmm. right? Driving back and forth and a girl in every port, you know, they're like sailors used to be, right? Oh, yeah. And it was spread all over the place. It was terrible in a place like Mali. I had, you know, she watched this, somebody I worked with, right? And she had married someone from, I think it was, oh, not Mali. Uh, anyway, um, I can't remember. Maybe it's not important where from. It doesn't matter where in Africa, but she went back Yeah. with him, right? And of course he had, he had, when they got together and the rest of it and the AIDS, what, HIV wasn't a big thing and the rest of it. Mm-hmm. She came back home after he died. She came back to Canada after he died. But she was there, you know, they're in a, they're in a health capacity, but yes, you can get it. And once the drugs came, of course, and it was, the drugs were horrible in the, in the beginning. Oh, yeah. They have modified them. And they the had no idea what dose to give people. Yeah, like it was, it was a mess. And it and it wrecks your liver and it wrecks yeah. your. It, they were people were getting die. jaundice from the drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the disease itself is like HIV. Once it, like it's it's what you call a load. You have yeah. to have first of all, you have to have so much before that they can tell. The real problem is, is that if you have unprotected sex, you have to go and get tested within the first couple of weeks because often the disease is it. You can find it then. Things things have improved now, okay. Yeah. But back then, and then it would go into basically hiding and wouldn't. You could do a test and it would you would show up negative. Yeah, and then For, you would until the viral up, load got high enough. Until the viral load got high enough. In that sense, it was like COVID. Yeah. It, that the viral load has to be high enough before you could assess somebody as being positive. Mm-hmm. And it was just horrible. And of course, when we were working, because I was working in a hospice. Yeah. And and we are just getting people who have already converted or um, bad enough. And of course, they didn't want them in the hospitals. They didn't want them in the jails. They didn't mm-hmm. want them. You know, oh, yeah, he should be in jail, but no, no, we get him. Jesus. You know, in the hospice. Yeah. Um, and, of course, we had a lot of, 
because people who were working and the rest of it had healthcare, had other options, but we were predominantly, we had people off the street and mostly men. Yeah. Uh, I would think we had one or two females when I was working there. Right. Um, who were prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Or who had been, who was, and one still had a pimp, for God's sake. Ugh. And he dragged her up to Vancouver, of all things. Um, That's very strange. I don't even, well, never mind, you, you know, because, and getting, oh, I mean, and getting that the... The yes. religious, the religious um, condemnation. Oh, God, yes. If there is anything, and we've talked already about, you know, things that shifted and changed, but um, that, that crisis forced an awful lot of people, I mean, and out of the closet. And well, I mean, the weird part is, like... Um, I know it's it's weird to say, but it's like you can we talk a lot about the effect AIDS had on the gay community. Uh, but there is there is a degree to which like the one good thing I can say that came out of AIDS is revealing like to the vast majority of people the heartlessness at the core of, you know, these religious orders, because oh, all of these people who could look at these millions of people suffering with AIDS, right? You know, when tens of thousands of people are dying a year and you know, like a million people have it worldwide and say that this is all God's punishment on them and this is what the gay community deserves. And it's like, oh, yeah, your heartlessness is really... Like, right. I, I, it's, it's right in front of you. And it's like, because you had this whole new generation who saw people suffering, who saw people willing to come out, and then they saw people on television saying, those people deserve to die suffering for being, a, you know, for being gay, yeah. for being how God made them. Drug, drug. Well, yes, but they didn't believe. Well, they, yeah, but that's another conversation. I'm just saying, if you ask me, if like, what is one of the prime things that is driving people away from, you know, Christianity in America? I think their reaction to AIDS is high on that list. Well, I think, well, what happened, I will tell you that, uh, no, I mean, my, 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 my first, once I started doing my critique of Christianity, <laughs> which probably started when I was 12, 13, 14, right? I, yeah. it was of specific brands. And of course it was of the brand of Christianity that was was evangelical fundamentalist mm -hmm. back to the bible shit. yeah um and but it was it was over the issues of poverty and and hypocrisy like mm -hmm. i see i couldn't see why and i can remember having these discussions um i was as they say a religious savant among other things <laughs> and um because once I had to start start to sort all of that out, and I did once I broke from the Galilean Bible Camp group, yeah. Um, so I, I would say high school, but it was, and my own church was very was Methodist and was very socially conscious, and right. for God's sake, Tipple would never have tolerated any of that. Later on, he led one of the movements to um, open ministry to gay gays and lesbians in the united church that's fantastic figures that was later on but in the 
in this point, so we're talking the 60s, yeah. right? It was the hypocrisy. No, you don't go and start converting other people. This is where I got my, I suppose, my sense of, no, you clean up your own house first. Yeah. And there are people who are dying of hunger. There mm -hmm. are in, in Sujay Marie, which is where I lived at the time, right? Yeah. There are people all over the place in Canada who need money, who need help. Why the hell are we sending things to missions, going yeah. and destroying other countries? And I had that very early on. There was something just, it. I called it kind of hypocrisy. There was, I can't stand it. I mm -hmm. am dealing with this. And it is a it is a rigidity of mine. There's no question. Yeah. Um, I don't even. I might put it back down back to the sort of the Calvinist, the Reformed tradition somehow or another. Right. Right. Um, I did. I'm not going to go into that right now. But <laughs> age. But the age thing was too. Right. I mean, and I we we weren't conscious of any of that. It was only when it started to hit, and I'm going. I can still remember people being shocked that somebody could have so many sex partners in <laughs> in a year, right? Like there was one guy going on, and I can remember my mother saying, "How can you?" <laughs> I'm going, "Well, Ma, here there are bathhouses, so you can have sex with ten different people in a night." Yep. Or if you wanted to, right? Yeah. And, and I said, "So that's how you can rack up." These kinds of numbers. These yeah. kinds of numbers in a year. Yeah. And you're never going to know. And that's why it spreads so fast. So virulently. Yeah. Yeah. In the in the gay community. So it's like too. what we're getting at is it is understandable that this terror yeah. existed. Yeah. But the thing that's so frustrating about this episode is this episode's failure to, you know. Make any moral judgment. <laughs> No, that's exactly no, what it is. The problem is with this episode is that there is no um, moral compass in the episode. Like you're okay. supposed to just go, okay, this is bad. Yeah. Well, you're supposed to feel sorry for these kids and you're mixing up. What are you supposed to be sorry for? Yeah. You, you are saying that these, these kids got together because... And, and are only having sex with one another because they're a closed group. They only have sex with one another. Yeah. Okay. And is this because their parents abandoned them? Because every one of them has been abandoned by their parents. Yeah. Because even the girl who is killed when they go. Was raised by her maid. Was raised by the nanny. Maid. No, not met nanny. Explicitly yeah. just the maid. The housekeeper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She was raised, her parents weren't even there, mm -hmm. you know, and then when they talk to her parents and I'm just going, no, make some kind of a judgment call here. Yeah. Explain to us, like you, you've got to let us into these characters and try to say why any of this is happening or maybe, you know, why is this an episode of Cracker? And if you watch the episode, they never like they the plot moves so quickly and there's so much to get through. I can't tell you the name of any characters. No. <laughs> like none oh. of the other teens, uh, other than Peter Sarsgaard, becomes or a character. Tara. Amber, Amber Benson. Yeah, Amber Benson has a bit of stuff because she's the nervous one. Well, no, Amber Benson. No, Amber Benson is is the 
is the female leader of this group. Yes, you're right. Really? Yeah. Yes, she's, she is. She's, the, she's the key. She's the one that keeps everybody in line. And the girl that wanted out. Yeah. Right? The girl that wanted out, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, okay, but then you have to give us more about, you have to have at least a major scene with Peter Skarsgård. Sarsgaard. Sarsgaard. Yes. The Skarsgårds are a different family. Yes. The Sars but anyway, you have to have this key scene with him yeah. falling apart yeah. because his parents. All we get is him trying to phone his father. And not hotel, being able to reach him. And his father had left the hotel already. Yeah. Well, um, after he had killed the girl. Mm-hmm. He needed to talk he wanted to talk to his father. And I'm going, oh, does he want his father to cover up for him or whatever? Or we, we have no idea what he wanted because we never find out. But it's like, we didn't find out anything about, like, we don't get into any of these characters. We don't know what's going on with Amber Benson. We know that, as you say, she's the second in command, but okay, well, what's her deal? Why is she here? As he's falling apart, how does she feel about that? And there's no time for any of that. No, and it's, and it's okay, who are these other guys? Yeah. Who are these other guys in the sex club? Again, we don't know. And the one guy was just going to leave, right? Yeah. So the other guy takes, it's, it's like, okay, are we supposed to make, the, the idea is you're supposed to make a moral judgment about the sex club. Yeah. Whereas the focus should be the yeah. moral failings of the parents yeah. who have allowed these children to be raised in yeah. some kind of, with, with no supervision. Yeah. Like, why did these, like, all of these parents who disappeared from these children's lives, you know, forcing them to grow up morally feral, you know, yeah. all of these kids who had no restrictions placed on them. So it's like, as you say, the, the frustrating thing about the episode, you're right, is and the then, fact that we're supposed to be so offended by the idea of the sex club and so shocked and disturbed, right, that we don't think about, like, that's the part of the episode they want us to focus on. But I mean... I mean, and maybe there's something wrong with me that. as a person, but I'm like, who cares that these people yeah. are like, I'm more interested in the emotional effects it's having on them and how they ended up like this and where it's going to go from here. The very and, fact that they're running a sex club is not shocking or disturbing to me, <laughs> but the show know, seems to think it is. You know, I mean, there are other issues like somehow or another, he's supposed to be some kind of a cult leader. But the point is, is that you needed to get Andrew. Drew, yeah. his brother, and that sort of part of the story. Yeah. Like the focus is all wrong. And oh, then totally. on top of everything else, then the set design is all wrong. Yeah. I think they were, I I do think they were trying to go with these kids' lives are sterile. Yeah. Are completely and empty. Are yeah. completely empty and all they have is one another and sex. Mm -hmm. Okay, because they have no parents, they have no nothing. Yeah. And you don't have, and there has to be, have been a time lag of some sort because this girl, her parents are away on vacation somewhere. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're there. Yeah. Well, we no, but I mean, I'm sure they flew back when they found out their daughter was dead. But they were on a cruise. Yeah, but you can, you're rich. Yeah, it's well. It's not hard to get back from a cruise if you're rich. You can have a helicopter well, pick you up. Well, yes, depending, as I said, depending on where, but, but it's still, 
Okay, yeah. I could quibble about that. I know, right? I, I do understand what you're saying now. It, it, it is, it is, they, I don't know how they, it was too big. Yeah. It was too big. They For them to try to, and cover it th this way. They needed to focus in, I mean, we probably would have been really hard if it had just been the sex club. Yeah. But then we add this at age thing, and that's what it was all about, right? Yep. The, as you say, the panic, the moral panic thing again. Mm -hmm. um, well, no, and it's like, is he so terrified of sexually transmitted diseases that he kills her for, you know, risking the group's health? Or is he just, you know, jealous and doesn't want someone leaving his control? <laughs> we don't know. Decide what's going on with these characters. Has he come back? let you know i mean you focus in on her maybe a little bit earlier and she's still she's still hanging out with the sex club but having this guy outside the group yeah okay that's the rationale for him to want to kill her oh yeah okay because and that's i think what they're trying to imply mm -hmm. but it gets all convoluted and messed up yep. and you, if you had just stuck with that and the parents whether rather than adding this whole age thing yeah. with his brother. I mean, he's so messed up because his parents left him yeah. with a 12 year old as a oh, 12 year old absolutely. with the housekeeper to take care of the brother and the nurse. Right. Yeah. As the brother was dying, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I'm just going, wait a sec. When is this set? <laughs> what year is this? It's set? 94. 596 something like that okay so 95 96 uh okay so five years before 91 yeah okay there was very little you could do yeah right in still in 91 92 i can't yeah. remember but there was little you could do at that point it was mm -hmm. once you hit that stage um So, but why did the parents even bother going and bringing him home? Yeah, I know. You know, I mean, like, there's a whole bunch of things. They have hospices to treat AIDS in, you know, 91, 92. Yeah, and they've got, they're have they rich enough. They're rich <laughs> enough that they could afford the best one. So why, why did they want have him die at home? Yeah, you know, like, there's a whole, we needed almost a flashback. You needed almost a, you know, a, a um, as I said, uh, waking the dead flashback. Yeah. Kind you of. know, of, of what was going on to mm -hmm. explain this. Yeah, the this insane situation. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's the club. Real bad episode. Real bad episode. <laughs> just, just, know just real bad episode uh, at the end. Going. In the an end. amazing coincidence, uh, they show up to search the guy's house just as he was planning on murdering everybody anyway. <laughs> What a happy coincidence that they got there in time. Well, and we don't even know that he was planning on murdering everybody. Uh, yeah, we do. He went and loaded a gun well, and put it in his uh, oh, put right. it in his house coat and had it with him when he went down to his friends who were lounging in the hot tub. Yes, he was going to kill everybody and himself. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't say that that's what he was going to do, but that's the language of film. That's what we're being explained. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Well, okay. Yes, I wasn't. I, I wasn't thinking about it that way. No, I wasn't. I, I was thinking that he was just going to kill himself. No, he was. If he was going to kill all of them. 
Yeah, that he, he the cult was falling apart, and so he was a cult leader. So he was going to kill everybody. That's just what cult leaders do. Well, yes, <laughs> it's just that's what they do when cults are falling apart. They, you know, can't lose their cult, so they mass suicide or murder suicide. Yeah. Uh, all right. So now, next up, Best Boys, which. I was harder on than you were. I'll admit that. Um, part of it is I I was really distracted by Peter Firth's terrible attempts at an American accent. Uh, the that that gave me some real trouble. His you know terrible attempts at an American accent. I think. Oh, tell me, but his first scene. I thought he was dubbed. It's that bad. It's it's a real bad this accent, but anyway, <laughs> Peter Firth from Spooks. That's who's playing the Liam Cunningham part. I don't know why. I don't know why. Like, why did they get a British actor for this? Was he trying to break into Hollywood at the time? Like, it's just so bizarre to watch him. But anyway, uh, Peter Firth. Like, that's Harry Pierce playing this part. I know it's Harry. It's so I, crazy. I, well, no, and I kept look, and I'm going, okay, but yes, I yes, that was probably distracting for it you. It was distracting for me. I'm not going to pretend but it Harry. was. Also, the the Bill actor isn't a very good actor. There's a reason that John Sim went on to become John Sim, and that this was one of the last roles that that guy ever got. See, you know what I'm thinking. Yeah. What I'm thinking is, with these two episodes, they were starting to run out of money. You think? Um, because, yes, I, I did. Like the writing was on the wall that they were going to be canceled? Because these are episodes they yes. shot after the show had started airing. And so it's like they might have cut back on the budget. The network yeah. might have because they uh, had a stink because, of death around it. Yeah. And so, and the thing is, it's is impossible. The, Bill, the Bill character, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, he wasn't really right. He's not great. Uh, in some ways, um, he had to be, I hate to say this uh, because I'm being, then I am being lookist or whatever. He had to be much prettier. Yes, he had to be much prettier. Yeah. And again, look and, at John Sim in the original. Yeah. No, no. I uh, No. And that's, and I'm, tell, I'm not just yeah. talking to you here. Yeah. I'm saying look at John Sim in the original. That's the kind of thing. This unbelievably pretty boy that you can't take your eyes off of. Yes, and he you had understand. to be. He had to be a four, three-year-old, three, three-year-older um, Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. you know. the same, same exact kind of thing. Where it's like, uh, where this guy, all he can like, he he can't stop thinking about this boy mm -hmm. because you know. There is there is an innocence to him, and there is this beauty to him, and he just wants to protect him, and yeah, he falls in love with him, and it's it's a messed up original story, but I I I'm comfortable. I don't know if you are, but I'm comfortable saying that Best Boys is the best script that the replacement um, that Paul Abbott the Paul wrote. Abbott wrote. Yeah, I I, I'm comfortable. Saying no, best I know Boys Best the Boys best was great. It's really good. I also I also now just to be. The reason that I'm not as hard on it as you yeah. is that I'm going, okay, as an adaptation, um, I think that they didn't do too badly a job. They focused yeah. in just on 
the family relationship that this kid had that he couldn't let go of. Mm -hmm. um, I think they could have made the mother more unsympathetic. I didn't. Well, no, but I'm like, the thing that really offended me watching this episode is how much they zip through. Yes. Like the, the oh, we got to get through the scene with the mother. Like, so they do the whole scene with the mother in three lines in less than a minute. Yeah, I'm that like, was that was wrong. Oh, no, this is the heart of the episode. This she, is this woman going from abandoned. tortured to indignant. And it's yeah. like you have her uh, you have her line, the same line of no, you're like we wanted a baby. Right. It's like nobody wants nobody wants a 10 year old or nobody wants old. an eight year old. Right. We wanted a baby. And it's like that should be the climax of her finally being able to admit that she's a horrible person to Fitz. And here the actress just like tosses that line out there. Yeah. And it's the third thing she said in a scene. As I'm saying, they're not getting top-notch actors and actresses at this point. No, they really aren't. <laughs> okay. It's, but it's like, this should be the most powerful moment. And it frustrated the hell out of me. Yeah. You know, and that, okay. Like, and this is, as I said, I'm not, I don't think it was the worst because I still think that true romance was. Yeah, it was a disaster. Was a disaster. And this is not a disaster because you do understand, you do at least get, it comes out of nowhere, you know, yeah. it's talking with, um, you know, um, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to call him Harry. You can call him Harry Pierce. It's fine. Okay. Um, but talking, talking with him. And I do like it that the kid didn't die at the end. Oh, yeah, that's nice. You know, I mean, so that, you know, this it was all taken care of. Yeah. That, that all this kid wanted was to belong somewhere. And the both of them. And I and I have to re, I have to tell you that at the end of this, I'm going, I hope they put them in the same jail. <laughs> not going to so that. No. So that because the one is, well, he's 17. He's 17. He'll get he, he might get tried as an adult, yeah. He, he would probably get tried as an adult. So if the two of them were sent to the same penitentiary, at least then Harry could take care of him. Yeah. Right? I, that's, this was my hope at the end of this. But when I'm watching the episode, it really made me frustrated in that confrontation yeah. scene when he's holding the mother hostage. Right? Yeah. And not also holding the child hostage because the show, you know, I guess... Maybe they didn't want to pay a child actor for another day, uh, but or maybe Probably. they just didn't have the guts to want to do that. But it's like, I mean, it made me so angry the way they were undercutting the power of the scene by yeah. just having fits, just like quickly run through all of the emotional beats. Yes. Right? It's like in the original when Fitz is just telling Liam Cunningham to say that you love him. And then here in, he does that. But then instead of giving us this moment of Harry Pierce, finally being able to say it for the first time in his life. Yeah. They just cut to Fitz saying he loves you. And like, there, can we get over yeah, the no, emotional no, no. stuff and blast through to the end of this story? I'm like, you, yeah. you've cut out the emotional heart of this story. And here's, cut out here's both of them. But here's the two Emotional hearts. And the problem was, yeah, is that they wanted to get in the story of Fitz and his and Judith and what's her face? Hannah. Hannah. Splitting up with her fiance. Which is which is insane. 
Yeah, I know. Like, you, you should have cut all of that out and done something else. Well, I'm watching the stuff with Hannah, out. and I'm like, I feel like if they want us to pull this stuff, we should have established and dug into this character at all in the past 13 episodes. And we haven't? No. Like, we found out that she's an orphan, uh, that she's adopted. And right? so? That's, that's it. Here's yeah. what we know about Hannah's backstory. She's adopted. Okay, well, why does she crave, you know, uh, danger and lack of stability? And why? It's like, give us something about this character before she starts doing this. I yeah. mean, they should have gone with the Penhaligon story that she became a cop because all of her brothers. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, I mean, that would have made more, you know, keep that logical sense to how this character is behaving. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and she's and here's the here's the problem. You know, you've got her still madly in love with Fitz, whereas Penn Halligan is going, I don't think so. Yeah, I know. And this is a problem of starting with friggin true romance. Yeah. Because they, they had nowhere to go. Relationship, you can't make it bigger yeah because Fitz mm -hmm. has been all along trying to repair his relationship with his wife yeah right all along from right from the first episode yeah. right from the first episode he's been trying to re mm -hmm. and now it looks like he's successful because there's his son smiling at the end yeah. well I'm sorry but, you know, you put that stuff in and the stuff with Tyler just doesn't work. Nope. Could have had it something else um, if you wanted to well, do. Well, no, but they needed a complicating factor to get him and his wife to still be in conflict of having Tyler drunk dial fits and make it seem like they were sleeping together still and kind of spoil his relationship. Yeah, which was his yes. wife. Well, yeah, that's what they wanted to do, but it was a bad idea. Oh, it was a terrible idea. Like, I'm because not they, saying... And, <laughs> but more importantly, though, like, why is Fitz, like, I I need more of a window into who this guy is because he will be desperate to get back to, with his wife and then he will continue flirting with uh, Hannah and trying to screw up her relationship. Yeah. One scene after another. Yeah. And it's like... I need to know what the show means by this. And I don't think the show knows. No, I don't think the show knows. And in the original Fitz Penhaligon, very clearly has oh, God, moved yeah. on. Yep. You know, as she said, and the line is from Judith, did, did you believe him when he said he loved you? And she said, no, yep. not for one minute. Mm-hmm. And that tells you, you know, whereas here you've got Tyler, you know, still pining away for friggin' fits. Yeah. Why, though? Why? And we don't have any understanding of that. So the episode is kind of a wash. I yeah. think, they, and if they had had left out that complicating factor, yeah, they would have had a little more time to delve in because... Because a lot of the episode has to deal with that military. And they're trying to code it by saying he, of course, had a special relationship with this guy in the military. Yeah. Died. Mm -hmm. And then this and this is the first time. Whereas with 
the British one, of course, he never had a relationship, period, ever. Yeah. A gay relationship. Yeah, he with would never allow himself. One. He would never allow himself. Whereas this guy had one significant relationship in his yeah. entire life and had been basically celibate since. No, just like just like Liam Cunningham in the original, he had gotten married and had a kid and tried to be normal yeah. and it failed and he split up. Yeah. Yeah. But he wasn't that's celibate. What I mean. But well, no, he was oh, never, well, yes. Okay. He never found he, another romantic partner. He never found another romantic partner. Yeah. I I I I think that it's it is sort of set up much more that once his marriage failed that he just didn't bother so he turned in because he's an artist yeah right mm -hmm. um and uh he's you know creating birds and things yeah and that that's you know like i there were some little touches in here that were quite good yeah um i mean so, but uh, they're all copied straight from the original well yeah but you know i mean i'm not i'm not saying I think when they had to cut that this, where the flaw is, is creating this whole shtick with Tyler. Yeah. Well, no, but I mean, like I said, if they had had a better actor for Bill, if they had had a better actor for the mother, if they hadn't gone off and done the Tyler stuff and had the time necessary to develop Bill's, you know, obsession with this family, right? Yeah. And get all of that in. Okay. I think it could have been an equally good episode. As the original, or as close to it as it could have been, With given one, that they only had one hour. Yeah. And as I said, because they did, I mean, I, I did like that the little boy, that the that the Bill character. Doesn't get killed. Yes. Okay. That um, is nice. But it, you know, gives us a, it takes away a chance to, you know, hate cops even more. <laughs> Yes, but remember... I know, uh, it's America, it's America. You're not allowed to openly hate cops unless you're the TV show wise guy. I get it. You know, um, so it is, it is, um, it, it, it's not the disaster that the previous one was. No. Which is all, the previous one was just all over the place, didn't know what it was doing, was trying yeah. to... Well, this one at least had a good, uh, a really good you know, structure to build from. And, and it did have, in the end, it had the, um, the, it final, something finally had an impact on Fitz. Yeah. Right. That he, you know, it, that that's what that end is all about. Right. Totally. Is that it did have, and he did go home and what the hell is he doing? Yeah. You know, with his, you know, um, that's so I mean it, you're you're right. It did have that aspect and that was good. That that the ending was at least reasonably that part mm -hmm. of it, um, Bill didn't die because that was just so but that was wrenching, but you couldn't have done that in you had to pick something, and I think this was like I think they made the right choice in what to do with the story that they wanted but they just didn't quite handle it as well as they could. I still think it's better than, than true romance. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll give you that. It's better than true romance. Okay. I mean, maybe But I, I still, I'm not going to claim I liked it as much as you did and you didn't even love it or anything. No, but no, it's I, like, but I will agree with you that it is better than true romance. You know, um, it's because the Penhaligon part is really bad. 
<laughs> it is. It's terrible. Yeah, the the stuff with with Tyler having her married and then still madly in love with Fitz, whereas well, engaged, not married. But, she was engaged, yes. But the point is, and I'm watching this, I'm like, how much time has passed? Did she just yeah. start dating that guy? Uh, but yeah, a few episodes ago. Yeah, like literally two episodes ago. When what's what I find puzzling is, as I'm watching this, it's like you haven't had time, and it's what frustrates me so much about the Hannah Tyler stuff is. You haven't had the time to establish this character in any of the ways you need to. Like, you haven't made the time to establish the character in any of the ways you need to for this stuff to land. Well, yeah, and they're like, really. I understand what you're trying to do, yeah. but it's not landing because you haven't put in the work. No, it, it, and it's because you don't have any idea of what, what um, Fitz and Tyler's relationship was because. Yeah. They have not had a relationship since this series started. It's it's kind of crazy to think that all yeah. they had to do, I mean, and we'll talk about this more in two weeks when we're like going back, looking back on the show and in, in, in its entirety. But it's like, you know, you could have, instead of trying to film the script of uh, True Romance line for line, you could have just cut the parts about him, him saying goodbye to his wife forever and all the parts about him previously having had an affair with Hannah. Yeah. Like you could have just cut that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, you didn't need you that. dug yourself into a hole in the first episode that the show, especially with the character of Hannah, like with the relationship with Judith, they made their effort and it worked and it did, it worked sometimes and it didn't work another time to dig them out of the hole. They put themselves in the first episode, but they've never dug themselves out of the Hannah hole. And which I respond with, you know, you could have just not dug the hole. Yeah, just you see here. No, what I would what I would probably say at the end is that this this production was cursed from the beginning. <laughs> it does seem that way, doesn't it? <laughs> it? You know, I mean, their first episode, their lead, their lead female, yeah, who is a more powerful character. I mean, actress. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the one thing that you know. Haggerty is is just a more powerful yeah. actress, which yep. just tells you her mother would have been yeah was much more well. Her mother was powerful. It would have been interesting seeing her in what became the Hannah part in the second episode. Yeah, if she had, if she had, if, I Continued think they would the have show. written for her differently. She would have had a bigger role. Yeah, probably because she already did in the first episode of True Romance. Yeah. You can see it, right? Because she it opens with her. I know, I remember. And so you're going, I as I said, cursed from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> when they lost Mariska Hargate. Yeah, they lost Mariska Hargate. They lost uh and of course they couldn't get um James Gandolfini to do it. In the first place. In the first they weren't place. smart enough to get Gary Cole to replace him. Yeah, you they know. instead just said who's a James Gandolfini type and went with to be fair, a James Gandolfini type. Yes. You'll say a lot of things about that man. You can't say he's not a James Gandolfini type. No, but but the point is that that's yeah, not they should have used the loss of James Gandolfini to rethink what they wanted to do with the character yeah. rather than just get the poor man's James Gandolfini. Yeah. I mean, because there's nothing wrong with Judith, but this the the, the woman that plays well, Judith was great. I mean, I don't think she's good as the original, but I think she's oh, no. doing, a, I think Catherine McCormick's doing great with what she's got. Yeah, yeah. 
So, but and Hannah Tyler just makes no impression. No, and it, if there's one thing you can say about Penn Halligan, she, she makes made an impression. impression. She made oh. herself felt. A and apparently, no this is, and this just gets mentioned in like one line in the bar scene. Yeah. Apparently, this is Arlie Ermy's last episode. He got promoted to chief yes. of detectives, and he's not going to be in it next week. Yeah, I, I said cursed. Yeah, cursed. I know, right? He probably got another job. Yeah, so they, or something like, or was too expensive. Yeah. All right. So, um, speaking of uh, the Arlie Ermy departing, and I checked, Josh Lucas replacing him. Uh, we're going to be no, back next that. week with, and this is, again, I hate that it's this confusing. Because if you look, um, uh, if you look on the the way it originally aired, so to be clear, next week we are going to be watching First Love Part One and Part Two, and then we are going to be watching the week after Faustian Fitz, and then we're going to do like a, a look back at the series as a whole, and kind of put Cracker, Mind Over Murder to bed. Yes. Whew. It's, uh, I just, this has been such a, like, maybe, maybe I'm overthinking this, but this has really been a roller coaster. Oh, that was like to go from hating it so much to being like, I can't believe how good this has gotten to crashing back down this week. Like, I hope it ends strong. That's all I'll say about that. Yeah, well, I, here's, here's, yes. So we are going to revisit the, did they know that they were being canceled and did their budget get massively cut? I, I will say one thing I forgot to mention when we were talking about it earlier. Um, in Faustian, uh, not Fa in, um, in Best Boys, it is like a, um, if you wanted the best example ever, right, of how this show is worse than the original, and all you have to do is watch two scenes back to back. The the scene where Fitz is interrogating the landlady's husband in both that movies. was poor. It was a disaster. They like could have the original. That. The way that Fitz, uh, the way that Fitz in the original is like almost you watch him effectively on autopilot. You know, like going through all the reasons to hate your wife, and it's like here's all the reasons you must have just throwing it everything at the wall because he doesn't really care. Because a guy killing his wife is so bland and so, like, it's so de rigueur. It's, this isn't worth his time. So I'm just going to get this guy to confess in, you know, one minute. So I'm just going to throw everything at him. And it's such a masterful performance. And then the guy reveals the thing about how devoted he was to life. And he's like, oh, hell, you know, sorry I was so hard on you. Yeah. And we missed Let's... all of that. And they, they used none of it. They botched it. They botched the scene so completely. And it's yeah. like, oh. Yeah, Best Boys really is Paul Abbott's best work on the show. Yeah, I it mean, really it was is. it was a good, a good episode. episode. And, I mean, yes. I mean, I can understand. I mean, the more we talk about it, the more I understand why you were why so Why I was so hard on this one. Why you were so hard on it. It was because you were forgetting true romance. And, yeah, um, but there were, but... You know, and I was looking at the cores, and I was sort of looking, okay, what did they cut? Did they cut the appropriate things? Well, yes, they did, but they didn't do as masterful uh, work with what was left as they should have. 
that's what you're saying. And that scene, like her husband doesn't even look like a, like, like it, it was just, yeah, it was, no, it was, it was so wrong. It's so, so weird wrong. how badly they did that scene. Yeah. And, and so, you see why, for me, that was like a microcosm yeah. of like them misunderstanding the work so thoroughly. Yeah. And I think that, um, so what's happening here? So are they getting a cheap director as well? <laughs> Who the hell knows, right? We'll it's talk like, later. Yeah, we'll talk later. We'll talk later <laughs> when we've watched the rest of them. All right. So uh, that's going to be that. As always, thanks for watching. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you'd like us to check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you are listening to this, I almost said watching, on an app or podcatcher, please rate and review. That's how people find the show. Uh, we'll see you back here next week for our second last Cracker episode ever. I know, it's crazy. No more Cracker. It's not like he wrote a bunch of Cracker novels. Uh, but until then, I'm going to say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week.